Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome to another fun and exciting episode of the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, John Damaris, and joining us this week is Carlos Kaiser to talk about custodies. Uh, as always, we have the one and only Nick Nanavati on this podcast to help break down the discussion. He's one of the best players in the history of 40K. Ask him, he'll tell you all about it. Uh, Nick, why don't you go ahead, <laughs> introduce Carlos, and let's talk about some custodies. Sure thing. So Carlos is actually one of my buddies from the East Coast. He and I both lived in New Jersey at it for a while, and we used to play at the same game store. And he was my practice partner for really big events like LVO, Nova, ETC, etc. He's brought home his share of majors, and uh, none of which, or least of which, is BFS, uh, which is like a hundred-person event in the Northeast with some of the biggest names out there: Andrew Gagno, Sean Naden, Tony Kopak, myself. Um, and he just recently uh, almost top three'd SoCal. He in the, in the final round six, he was undefeated playing against the our very own Art of War coach John Lennon. Uh, Carlos has pretty much exclusively been playing the Golden Boys through most of Eighth Edition, and been doing pretty well with them over on the West Coast where he resides now. Carlos, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Nick, how are you doing? Good to be here, and thank you so much for those kind of words. Really appreciate it. No problem whatsoever. So why don't you uh, walk us through the list you're playing? I guess before we do that, I uh, just want to preface this with, as of the recording now, it is uh, the day after the FAQs and errata and Space Marine rules all came out and stuff. So it's all fresh in our minds. We're brand new to it. Uh, a lot has changed in a relatively short amount of time. So Carlos, how do you feel about your custodies now? What's the new list you're thinking of? I think it's a little bit tougher today than it was yesterday. A lot of armies are getting upgrades um, and they are point free. They, they are not paying any points for those upgrades, right? You have sisters, you have Imperial Guard getting new Meltas, new mm -hmm. power swords. So the power swords are going to AP3, which is mostly an issue for Custodes. Meltas are getting two shots. So it's going to be a new world. Um, but I think Custodes still have some some tools and they can still win games. I think it's just going to be a matter of updating the list slightly. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's going to be tougher, but I think it can be done. So what's your, what is the list you're working with these days? What are you thinking? So I'm, I've been working with a Vanguard. That's one detachment. Um, I'm, I'm running Trajan Valores for the CPs, the row ones and the row to hit and to wound. Then I'm running a squad of five Alaris with Axis, a squad of Aqualon. Um, the Vexilia, two squads of Sisters of Silence with Bolters, and one Rhino for them. Um, then the the Ares, which has been invaluable in this heavy vehicle meta. Yeah, I firsthand got to experience an Ares for the first time last week, and uh, my God, the thing was impressive. He's <laughs> super good, and then complementing the entire list is five, um, uh, five Flying Boys, uh, Benatari which have been clutch. I played them uh, yesterday or the day before, Sunday, at RTT and, and, and won the whole thing. They were amazing. They were really, really good. Really cool. So a lot of your list seems to be made of a lot of four-drilled units, and I know Custodes are something a bit more 
obscure and not quite as mainstream. So can you walk us through like what an Ares gunship does and like how powerful it really is? Yeah. So the Ares gunship has two things. The first one is it's extremely unlikely to be killed during a game. It's toughness 8, 22 wounds. Um, toughness 8, sorry, I say that. 5 plus symbol. And it's minus 1 to hit because it's a flyer. If it's within 6 inches of the Vexilia, it's minus 2 to hit. Which, as we know, is cap at minus 1. But we have a lot of armies that get the plus 1 through CPs or, or all their abilities. Then you also have 3 weapons. One of which is D3. Strength 14, AP minus 4, 3, excuse me, 6 plus D3 damage. So basically, and the other two are Strength 9, AP 4, 3 plus D3 damage, rerolling to wood against vehicles. So basically what that means is whatever this Ares is looking at, especially if they are vehicle, is dead. It's going to die, no questions asked. Extremely reliable. Seen and choose, rolling once with, with Valaris and... Wounding on choose, rerolling once. So basically, you're gonna get through any armor that you need to get through. Yeah. What's the what's the range on that on those weapons? Does it have a pretty long range band? Yeah, it has a very long range, and then it flies. So it moves 50 inches. There's no way for you to hide. Yeah, and I guess it's so big and it flies, it can always just get a different angle to the obscuring terrain, where it can just walk up and touch the terrain you're hiding behind and then exactly. see over and through it. And very cool forget, stuff. There. The rules have changed. So the ITC used to have if it sits it fits basically saying that the entire base if you could put it in a second in a second level ruin and fit the entire base that was fine but if you couldn't if there was a piece of your base that was not fully within the terrain you could not place that 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 model on that second level or third level ruin that is gone so now you can go into a building half of the base is sticking out and you can still place it there not only that, but if there are characters right below you, you can still shoot them. Yeah, I can see that's super powerful, the new rules. I'd also like to say that the strats that custodies just have um, can also help to keep this Orion alive, or not Orion, Ares alive. Uh, ignoring all to wound rules for 2CP could, is an example of just something so powerful for it. Do you also take uh, Shadow Keepers to make it minus one strength or no? I do, yes, because making last cannons and anything that threatens that vehicle, minus one strength basically guarantees that they are only you on fours or fives. And you can shut down their rerolls, and you can give the vehicle a five plus, feel no pain. Basically means that it's not going to die if you don't want it to die. Yeah, that's tremendously power, spe- powerful, especially in this edition where most things die. Like having something pretty much functionally unkillable is a really, really, really powerful tool. Well, and I think also that's worth pointing out that it's kind of a slippery slope, right? Because... Once your your opponent decides to try and kill that thing and they've committed a lot of resources into it, if they don't try, like they, they get into like this dilemma where they're like, well, this is not going how I thought it was going to go. But if they pivot away, then all the, all the effort they put into it is sort of wasted because the thing doesn't, like even if it degrades a little, like it's still going to hit on threes, right? Because it's uh, a custody. Um, but they so they either have the choice of okay i continue down this path which is very painful because it allows you to put all your resources you know stopping people from rerolling to wound for example or whatever into protecting this thing and just making their their attacks very inefficient or they pivot off it and lose everything that they put into it from the beginning right so it's like a not a good situation for yeah. your opponent it's like something you do if your backs against the wall absolutely and you're missing two other elements to this 
entire narrative. The first one is it allows me to pick two of the secondaries that are usually very painful for custodians. I can go for engaging all fronts, which custodians can struggle with, or I can do while we fight, while we stand, we fight. It's almost unkillable. So I'm now putting the pressure on my opponent. If you don't shoot my vehicle, then great. I'm getting five points guaranteed on that secondary. So not only is putting the pressure because it kills things, it's also allowing me to pick secondaries that otherwise I might not be willing to take. That's a great point. And what I love about your list design, do you think that's a little all in though? Because you're relying on it to get you engaged in all fronts while simultaneously relying on to get you those five points while we stay in fights. So if your opponent can kill it or just gets lucky, goes for it and shoots a shot and dies, you know, you've lost pretty much 15 victory points right there almost. That's what you would think, right? But what kind of shots are going to go into the Aries? The kind of shots that I do not want to have going against my Terminators. Those are the all-stars every game. My Alaris and my Aqualon are insane. They are the ones winning me the game. They are the ones that are moving to the center of the table, getting me the objectives, getting me the primary, and killing things. So all I want you to do is kill my vehicle. I'll happily sacrifice five points for the what we fight we stand, what we stand we fight. If I can guarantee that I'm gonna be owning the primary and that my terminators are gonna get there without suffering any losses. So in my mind, it's like that's a win-win for me. So let's talk about these terminators. You seem to be talking about them like they're the crux of your army. And every time I see Cassidy's play, it does definitely seem that way. Why are these Terminators just so amazing? Like, why have you gone for one unit of Aquilons and one unit of Lars also? So they are similar in terms of stats, but they provide for two different uh, tools. The Alaris are just your hammer. They go in, they hit and choose, they wound and choose, but all once when they are close to training, and they are always close to training. So they can kill anything in the game. They have four attacks each. Just they just destroy stuff. And then you have the Alaris, which are a little trickier, right? They can consolidate into the closest enemy character, so you never know where they are going to go. They can target characters. They have their grenade launchers that can shut down Overwatch, or they can um, target hordes, and they are getting three shots each. They also get plus one to one for two CPs, so they are they can, if you need it, they could be as tough and as hard-hitting as the Aqualon. They are very versatile, and in general, for 350 points, they usually kill, for me, six to 700 points worth of stuff. They are infantry, so they can go through buildings. And when they get into terrain, they get to one plus save, and they can ignore AP1 and AP2. They can also make any attacks coming at them minus one strength. So they are really hard to kill. You just want to make sure that they can get to the middle of the board because they are not fast. And the way you do that is by having the Ares pointing at your opponent and saying, hey, you have two options. Neither one is good. You can target my Terminators, and if you do great, you might be able to play the primary better, but then I'm getting my two secondaries, no problems. So what do you want to do? And in that case, once you're putting your opponent in that kind of a scenario, you already win. Also, I don't know if you really want to be shot by that Ares for five turns. Oh, that, doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like fun either, right? Like That's sort of the further muddying up the whole picture like you want to kill that thing you can't and it's it's going to punish you so the other thing is the Ares has something else that we haven't discussed which is grenades if you fly over a unit it drops one grenade per model and on a four plus it triggers a mortal wound so on my game on my on the finals of the rtt that i played last weekend i play orcs 150 of them right so you will think the Ares sucks 
sure, it won't get killed, but it's not going to kill anything. It's 430 points that basically guarantee me two points on engaging our fronts and five points on uh, while we stand, we fight. But when you account for those grenades, all of a sudden I'm moving over boys, 30 units, it's a 30 model unit. I'm killing 10, 12 of them. And I do that twice. So you are killing now a bunch of orcs on top of them using the a small version of their weapons. So the ones that I described earlier are the ones that you will use against vehicles, but you can shoot a dispersed version, which basically has four shots each. So you are looking at about 11 shots coming from the Ares, strength seven, AP minus two, one damage. So that kills a lot of stuff. So it has the, the tools to deal with hordes as well, which makes it a very versatile vehicle. Yeah, and especially like right now in the meta, we're not really seeing like those 200 plus model lists where maybe it's not, you know, 11 shots for 450 points isn't efficient no matter how you slice it in that game. But against like the kind of elite hordes with lots of space marines and then lots of vehicles running around, obviously the anti-vehicle guns are phenomenal at that. But even the anti-horde one, like it's prime for the picking, for picking up things like Outriders, Sisters of Battle, anything like that. Absolutely. Even Harlequins. Harlequins are a traditionally bad match for Custodes. Uh, thankfully, fusion guns didn't get the the melt update, but still, they are a scary army. And the Ares goes over a unit of Harlequins and is killing five to six troops for free just by flying over them. Then he's shooting in two vehicles, he's likely to kill at least one of them. That is something that Custodes struggle with. We don't have good units that kill vehicles at range. The only other unit, the only other two units that could fit that role is the Telemon, which in my mind is too expensive for what it does. It's really hard to get line of sight because of its limited movement. And the Caladius. And the Caladius is great, but it's super expensive for what it does. It's trend seven. It's not a reliable way of killing a rhino. So the Ares is the only pure custodious option we have to kill vehicles reliably. And it does it so, so well. Yeah, it makes a really good point. I mean, I've played against so many custodies lists that I've just been able to ignore them because they have no good range options. And so, that's the thing. You are doomed if you don't come at me. And if you do, good luck dealing with my Terminators. Mm -hmm. So to that end, do you normally deep strike the Terminators or do you just walk them on the table, to pop them terrain to terrain while the Custodes, or the Ares is doing its thing? I think when I first started playing the Army 9th Edition, you get overexcited because you have a lot of command points. You have great stratagems and you go hyper-aggressive. Custodes are an army that needs to play to the counter-attack. They, they want the opponent to come at you, and you engage the opponent in your own terms. So what I'm trying to do is I play very defensively. I'm moving in terrain. I'm trying to be out of line of sight, and I'm just waiting. I am okay giving you the primary for the first two turns, and then I'm going to make up for that. I'll pick up a kill here or there. I'll make sure that I'm keeping the points fair with my secondaries. And then once you get close to me, then that's when I'm engaging you. I'm engaging you with Trajan close by so that I guarantee that I'm going to kill you. I am going to block, I'm going to move block you with my Rhino and my sisters. And then that's when I'm going to hammer you. And then I play defensively. When you charge me, I have a lot of command points because I haven't been too aggressive. And I'll shut down your AP1, your AP2, um, transhuman if I need to, and make you a minus one strength. I'll interrupt you so you cannot engage me in multiple fronts. That's how I think Custodes succeed is when you play defensively, you are reactive, you are forcing your opponent to play your own your game. Fine. Turn one and two. I'm not going to be winning. That's okay. I have three more turns to really destroy your units, get into position, and then target you in the area that That's I want to target. 
This is pretty in line with everything I've seen Chris's per custodies. They basically try to take minimal casualties for the first couple turns, then make a big push around turn three, where like all of your stuff is in its face, killing tons of points in the enemy, really just pushing out with all offense, and then dumping all of your command points in the following opponent's rebuttal into defense. So when their retaliation, their counter assault doesn't do enough, and then you can clean up from there. Is that pretty right? Exactly. The thing is, there are not that many weapons that have AP3 and have a high volume of attacks. So for the most part, those units that you're scared of, like uh, Possess, um, even Repentia, right? You can either shut down the AP or you can transhuman. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, if I'm if you're wounding me on force, I'm reducing your incoming attacks by 50%. And then I have a 4 plus invoke. So that means if whatever comes through, I also get to shove off 50%. So my chances of survival are really high. And because of Trillion, I also get to heroically intervene with any unit within 12 inches, as if they were a character, meaning you are never going to engage one unit. You're going to engage at least two of them. Yeah, the heroic intervention nowadays is so powerful. It's just a byproduct of the missions, too. Like, if you just leave a couple of custodies guys on an objective, your opponent could either be able to walk up and stand an inch away from you with more OPSEC models and take it from you, or you can then just heroically leave it and kill them all. It's just an amazing rule right now. Exactly. And custodians get it in two different ways. We have uh, the, the Warlord trait that allows any model within 12 inches of the Warlord to do so, any unit, uh, or through a 1CP stratagem that allows you to help intervene within four inches. So it means that no matter what, you are not going to be able to steal that objective from me. You need to kill me. Or you need to be able to be extremely resilient and engage me and survive that engagement with more models than me, which is extremely likely. Mm -hmm. So do you normally find that you're leaving like the Alaris in reserve or the Aquilons in reserve and having one unit walk at the table and then use Levexla teleport hammer strats to bring them in? Or do you just kind of walk both around? No, I walk everything in. What I've noticed is that, yes, it's great to deep strike the, the Alaris and try to get a character if your opponent is not careful and they don't know your army. It's much better, more efficient, CP... Uh, less CP intensive, to just walk everything and hide. Go from terrain piece to terrain piece because the the Aries is there. Your terminators are less likely to get shot at. And then with the Rhino, you can block some line of sight. You can move block your opponent. And you still have tangled for grenades. So if you keep thinking about the engagement range of your opponent's units, you can make sure that they won't be able to charge you. And get to where you need to be, which is basically the center of the table. I guess my thinking isn't so much about you being able to get across the or uh, get the across the table safely. I think that the deep striking enables you to get the across the table in one specific turn. Like that turn three push, you can move your banner out, advance him, and then drop the Terminators within six of that. That's really far all of a sudden, three inches away from the enemy. You can go pretty deep into his lines and cause some real havoc on your big turn three push. You don't find that helpful? No, no, absolutely. You, you can definitely do that. I think there are very few matchups where you need that push. Because the opponent, right now, we're playing for the... It doesn't matter how much you kill. It matters to get to the objectives and get those points, those primary points. So if your opponent is smart, your opponent is going to have trash units that are going to be able to push you away. And yes, my big city is going to be able to push hard, move six, the six advance... And then within six inches, deep strike those terminators that then are going to be able to charge to the six. That's insane range. But if they are smart and they are move blocking you, which happens all the time, 
then there is no value to that strategy. Plus you're using three CPs to get that, to make that happen. Yeah, that's where I would have, you would make Trajan refunding that part of your like strategy. Sure. But instead of doing that, I can make Trajan refund me uh, transhuman. So it's not like you're wasting that that uh, that option, that that CP refund. It's not quite the three CPs that you get when you use the Vexelia Teleport CP or the CP stratagem. It's still two CPs that you get back. And what I found is that when you deploy everything, the opponent doesn't have a space on the board to come aggressively at you. There is no, like, when Custodes has one unit out of five in Deep Strike, one of the two hammer units, the opponent, especially if they go first, has two units to take over the board and really good those objectives and then play with their characters to then counter you once you push to their objectives. If you deploy everything and you're moving slowly and the air is picking up the top targets, the opponent all of a sudden is like, well, I need to push. This guy is getting engaged in all fronts, is getting... Kill more if I pick that one, or while we stand, we fight. And he might be getting whatever other second that I picked. I need to do something. I need to move the rhythm of the battle. And if they do that, then I can play reactively. If I have a unit in deep strike, what I find is that I own one quarter, maybe two of the of the table. My opponent is free to do whatever they want for two turns. And then if they are good enough and they can block me, all of a sudden I just lost the game. So let me let me make sure I understand. And, and Carlos, I'm a, I'm a newer player. So, are you saying that you need to have all of your resources on the board for the projection of force? So basically, you threaten a lot of areas of the board. And when you because custodians already have a small fo- footprint, and because they're so expensive, when you take a unit of terminators, uh, say you're Alaris, for example, and put them in deep strike, that's like twenty percent of your list, right? And your 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 ability to Project onto all areas of the board is greatly diminished, thus giving your opponent more freedom to go after this scenario, putting you on your back foot. Am I understanding that right? 100%. It's not just 20%. You're thinking you're missing one key component, which is the Vexilia. It's not only the Terminators that are coming out from this strike that are not doing anything. Your Vexilia is also being conditioned by the fact that you need to deep strike those Terminators in a specific place. So all of a sudden, it's not just 20%. You're talking about 30% of your army. It's all contributing to one play. And if your opponent is smart enough, they are going to be able to block the area where you want to deep strike. If I deployed everything, then what I'm doing is I'm moving slowly and I'm using my Benatari to punish, to poke my opponent. So if my opponent is not is pushing too hard in one in one area of the board, then my Benatari can go in there and really punish them, either through close combat, because they move 12, and then charge to the 6, or through the 18-inch plasma shots that can double shoot can get uh, extra shots when, with sixes, or they could wound automatically with sixes. So, can you? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Can you tell me? You call those the Venatari? Are those like jump pack custodies? I guess I've never heard of them. Can you kind of yeah. break down what they are for our newer players and and uh, talk about what their strengths are and what their what their profile is like? Absolutely. So, Venatari are a Portugal unit for custodies. Basic custodes stat line: strength five, toughness five, three wounds. Three plus safe, not two. That's the biggest difference. But they ignore AP1 and AP2 with the equipment that I run them with. And they have a plasma pistol, two shots. On sixes, they extra hits. Um, and for one CP, they can double shoot if they are five. If you have more than five, you need to spend two CPs. Um, and, and they, they move, move 12, 12 inches. Right, 12 and, inches. They have, and they have fly, right? Exactly. But they are infantry, so that means that they can still use tank of quick running and transhuman which is huge. And that's the unit that you use to counterpunch. Or if you need to push on a specific section of the board, 
that's the unit you use with. So you, the terminators are moving slowly, and your poking units are the Ares and the Venatari. And those are the ones that are doing the damage initially. And then your opponent has the option saying, okay, I'm going to retaliate, or I'm going to stay on my side of the board. If they do, you are really winning. If they engage you, that's when the terminators then come and punish them for killing your Ares or your Venatari or whatever else might be. Yeah, the Venatari, I've been on the receiving them. They shoot a tremendous amount, and they give Kastudi something they really don't have, basically a little bit of speed and a unit that shoots high volume. Uh, Aquilons can shoot high volume, but not in that two damage bracket, which really is pretty nice. Absolutely. And then the other part of the list that people don't think about is the Sisters, which might be easy to overlook, but they are absolutely all-stars. Sisters can target characters if they have psychic abilities, and they can reroll to wound against the psychers. And for one CP, their vultures become assault three. I've killed weird boys with those sisters. If you have the typical space marine sorcerer from the war bearers, you can kill that guy with a unit of sisters. And not only they do that, they can also help you if you really are struggling with your secondary picks. You can target. You can go for scramblers. You can you can um, use the I don't remember the name reserves the when you pay one CP to outflank a unit um, strategic reserves one of the two units that I am running to go into your opponent's deployment zone and scramble for you they can scramble in your deployment zone with the other units and then the Venatari on a pinch can do it on the on the middle of the board so it really gives you another dimension of secondaries which in my mind is the main issue that custodians are dealing with right now. We are they two. really just here to provide that like scoring, extra scoring capability and having small skirmishing units and that type of thing? Exactly. It moves blocks. It gives you the screen opportunities that you need. It gives you that extra secondary that you might pick when you are in a pinch. Does, um, does their anti-psyker abilities ever come up? Very few. But if you're playing a good opponent, they know how to play against an 18-inch range, minus one to cast. That's not usually an issue. Um, it's great to, to deny smites. That, that they do really well. Beyond that, a good opponent is going to be able to overcome their abilities. It's just they are just great for that extra secondary that you need with custodians. Yeah, and having I guess just rhinos are really nice. Like honestly, I like having just rhinos in my list, like a couple of them to do stuff. Especially with custodians, because what you're doing is you are tripling down on the same concept. Any weapon you have above strength five, which are going to be the ones threatening my terminators, now have the Ares terminators. Then Atari and a Rhino to split fire. Yeah. So, it's like no one's ever paying mind to that Rhino, but that exactly. obviously a whole different objective. Exactly. Right. And you can also do things like move block with it. You can yeah. soak charge in with it. Soak overwatch. <laughs> smoke smites, soak overwatch, or just, just ram into something because now, like, you know, it's in combat and a lot of yeah, things don't no kill one. a Rhino in combat, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love yeah. doing rhino tricks to like tie up her interventions too, like <laughs> like blood angels and, sp and space wolves and the, the armies that have weird six inch rogue interventions on units. You tie your rhino up into them, and then like your unit can kind of charge nearby and not worry about being intervened on or whatever. Absolutely, and even in a, on a more simplistic approach, again, it helps you with your engaging all fronts. Custodes have issues mm -hmm. with secondaries. We do one or two secondaries really well, and we struggle a lot, finding a good third secondary. And the Rhino allows us to pick that third secondary, which oftentimes is engaging our fronts. 
So what secondaries would you normally take with this army? So one of the secondaries that I usually pick and that tends to surprise my opponents is um, Assassinate. And the reason for that is because it gives me two advantages. When I pick Assassinate, I'm usually pushing my opponent or forcing my opponent to double or to consider whether to push with the characters that are oftentimes the ones that will be able to kill my custodes and then give me points for killing those characters or keeping them back and deny me that secondary. If they were to do that, it allows me to get control over the board. Not only that, but I also have a few tricks that even if my opponent decides to keep those characters away from me, I get to kill them. One of them will be the Sisters of Silence, which can target psychers, the Alaris, which can target characters for one CP, for two CP. And another one is the, the Ares. The Ares is extremely good at going behind enemy lines and targeting those characters. It can, it's not only a flyer, it can also hover. So if, if you are thinking that by keeping your characters behind LOS, line of sight, like blocking terrain, or hidden behind your, your, a unit of five guys, I can either kill those five guys with my Benatari and then kill the character with my Ares, or just use my Alaris and directly target those characters. So that's okay, one Carlos. of the ones that... That just leads me to a question. So it seems sure. like you are basically giving your opponents a lot of false choices. And what I, what I mean by that is you're saying you can do A or you can do B, but really both are good for me, right? So like it seems like a choice, <laughs> but it's, it's really not. Like you, you can kill the Ares or you can't, or you, don't, you can ignore it. Both are fine with me. I just adjust my plan and I, you know, I move along my merry way. Um, you can bring your characters forward because I chose assassinate and then give me those secondary points or you can keep them out of the game. And I noticed that your list, like if you, your list is built in a way that you can ignore a lot of things in the game. Like I'll just use an example, anything with the word bolt in it, like a bolt gun or whatever you give no craps about, right? Cause it just doesn't right. do anything against you. So you're trying to play the game in order to neutralize the things that can actually hurt your Terminators, which is how you're going to win the game. Um, and so you're doing it with distraction Carnifexes, like the Ares, like you're putting things out there and overloading your opponent's anti-tank stuff. But you're also doing it by taking secondaries that also push into that game plan, which is, you know, I don't want your Ragnar or your Smash Captain coming in and beating up my Terminators, so give me my secondary points or don't be active in the game, in which case I get to bully you uh, and I end up winning on the primary. Does that sound about right? Absolutely. And I think that's also a reason, or it's a, a byproduct of playing a lot with Nick and Dallas. I think when you play with people regularly, right, you develop a common strategy and approach to the game. So I think the three of us are very reactive players. I'd like to be in control of my the mission and, and, and winning the game. I don't want to be at your mercy. So basically what I want to do is deny you having good options and basically be able to react to whatever you throw at me. Oftentimes you might not be able to do it, but that's your, your vision of the game and how you're trying to play the game. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that by increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups it would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. 
Invent Together is a coalition of organizations, companies, universities, and concerned citizens committed to ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to invent and patent. Because the more diverse the American patent system gets, the stronger and more successful our nation will become. What can you do to help diverse inventors patent and unleash economic opportunity? Find out at inventtogether.org. Learn more and take action today. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. I really so like that be- I think it's like a really cool backwards approach to 40K. Instead of just trying to get, have an army that does everything, have an army that punishes your opponent for trying to do anything. Exactly. My, my, yeah. my, my current sparring partner shows oftentimes joke is like, Carlos says, no, you don't get to do this. No, no, no. <laughs> I love it. Very <laughs> right, because- uh, stylish way to win. It's also, I've noticed your army doesn't really give up any secondaries either. There's yep. nothing to bring it down, really. What do you get? Like six, nine points? Cool. Um, not really exactly. much for assassinate. You're certainly not going to grind them down much. <laughs> um, so I love that. Basically, if your opponent it was relying on a kill base secondary to get against you, well, that's just your SOL, my not friend. Not going to happen. And, yeah. and if you have character, you have an army that depends on psychic powers, like potentially Grey Knights or um, Warbearers, I can play my sisters very offensively. On a 3+, plus, I get to deny your power. Within on that note also, you have a, an assassin here as well. Is that correct? No, I, I don't bring an assassin. No, the... The latest version of my list. Oh, I unfortunately I couldn't find the points. Amateur um, my bad. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I thought about it. I think they are really cool, particularly the Calidius. I like it. The Calidus being able to force your opponent to spend more CPs. Um, but I don't have the points. So you, oftentimes what I do is I pick the assassinate, uh, which 90% of the time uh surprises my opponent. I don't think that's one that they expect. Then I go for either what well, we stand, we fight, because Obviously, the Vexilia is very hard to kill because I'm not pushing with the Vexilia, right? When you go for that three CP stratagem to push your opponent very far into their lines, it's easier to kill the Vexilia. I play very defensively. I usually keep it on the back. Once my, my units are where they need to be and they're in combat, I push it back to, to get the home objective, help my sisters defend from whatever deep strikes are coming. Um, then uh, uh, Trajan Valoris, which is three plus involved, really hard to kill. Um, because I don't need the CP region, I might even be willing to reheal or heal him back, right? Which you don't ever see that. But in my case, I don't use that many command points, so I, I'm open to that, and my opponent knows it. So it's like, well, I don't even want to target this guy. Three plus embo plus a CP reroll plus moment of shackle to heal back. No, I don't want to target this guy. Um, and then the Ares, which is not going to die. And my third secondary, the one that I used to struggle with, is what, what do I do, right? I, I, I need to find something that really helps me and, and, and closes the gap in this game plan. Um, the Caladius hurt me a lot, which is what I was using. Great shooting tank, but it gave enough points to my, that my opponent could pick killing vehicles. Um, and it will die every single game. 
So I changed that for the Venatari, and now I have an easy, a much easier time getting engaged in all fronts. And if that doesn't work because I'm playing maybe Harlequins or uh, Orcs that are swarming the board, I can get Scramblers. So now I feel like I have four solid secondaries that I can choose from, plus the mission secondary, which oftentimes is easier than the regular secondaries. And ninth edition to me feels like it's all about secondaries. It's all about winning that that matchup more than killing your opponent. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. Being able to consistently take good secondaries is huge. What about the armies that don't need to throw their characters into the fray to kill you, like Eldar, for example, just sitting away smiling, or just armies that didn't take many characters to begin with? Then assassinate's not really an option, and then what do you do? Maybe. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, because if you are playing Eldar, your characters are psychers, and five sisters will kill... Uh, will kill a um, Parseer or a Warlock with no sweat. I'm hitting on threes. I can reroll once for one CP. I wound you on fours if you're on bike, or threes if you're not, and I get to reroll that for free. Um, f- that's 15 shots. That, on average, kills a Warlock or a Farseer, and then the Ares. So they can, you have yeah, two options. They can shoot that? They can, uh, they can snipe characters with their shooting? If they, if they are psychers, yes. Oh, see, this is how little I know about Sisters of Silence. <laughs> that's the thing. People don't know the army. And what I found in ninth, and again, it's a very small sample size, right? It's people in, in, in eighth, people will be looking at your list and trying to figure out what, what they do. Oh, what, 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 what are your stratagems, all that stuff. When they look at the Sisters, they just they just glance over. Like, I, I don't care. Just talk to me. Yeah. Talk to me about your Terminators. It's like, sure, whatever you want. And the Sisters are very tricksy. And the Alaris. The Alaris can target characters. I think that's Alaris, a bit of a common misconception, though. Like, it's just something I want to touch on. It's like, people do just glance over the sister signs. I, I personally probably would. If I had, like, Psyker Heavy Army, I might ask some questions. But normally, I would just glance right over it. But um, that's just kind of breaking those stereotypical bonds. Well, the rules have changed so much in the past few months. Sisters of Signs were terrible all through eighth. I'm with you. Probably terrible in the beginning of the ninth. They're not obviously good in the beginning of ninth. So they're still probably bad. That's not a good mentality. Like Carlos has found a beautiful use for them in his list. So I know. completely agree. And and not only you have those sisters that fine, in some cases they won't be able to kill a psyker, but they might be able to shape up one or two wounds. The Alaris have 24 inches of range. They can target characters. It's minus one AP, two damage, and they can double shoot. Most characters have an involved. It's going to be a 4+, plus, 5+. Plus. So the minus 1 AP is not an issue. And you're all of a sudden killing that Psyker that you thought was safe. It's like, oh, it's gone. And so, oh, crap. I need to stay away. And when you stay away, you need to still push. You still have to push for the objectives. All of a sudden, the Ares is moving and it's killing you. And because now units below three models are not covering your characters, it's very easy for me to kill that unit that is covering your character and then target that character. So assassinate... I play Harlequins all the time. One of my, my sparring partners is a Harlequin player, and he is terrified of showing those characters to me. Yeah, this actually sounds terrifying. I'm like thinking about it myself. <laughs> the other thing that's kind of interesting in the Eldar matchup specifically is you can go snipe out the Jinx caster, which <laughs> completely changes that matchup for you, I think. Like it makes a big difference. Um, so, John, do, let me ask you that. Why do you think that Jinx character is, is an issue for me? Well, because a lot of your protection is both your good invuls and your good base save, like being in cover, being a one plus, um, and that one <laughs> Jinx. I, I find I play Eldar right. Jinx is my favorite 
of all the spells for Eldar. Doom is great. Guide is great. Like but Jinx Doom. is the one that makes things happen. So, so <laughs> I like me, me, if I told you that Jinx, I can deny it for one CP. Or my, any second power that targets my custodians on a four plus, I deny it. And any second power that you cast within 24 of my sisters, or if it's 24 or 18, I don't quite recall, I can deny on a three plus, and I can use both CPs in the same turn, uh, and then make you minus one to cast. Would you feel as comfortable with getting so close to me to use that Jinx, which I believe is 18 inches range? Yeah, no, it's terrible. Like, that's, right. that's yeah. not... like people look at the list and say, okay, fine, yeah, two hammer units, fine. It has so many layers of defensive buffs. Yeah, it of... does really just look like two Terminator squads and a tank, but it's so much more. It, it is so much more than that. And you, when you layer in the sisters, it's like, yeah, all I have to do is put the sisters one inch ahead of the Terminators and your Jinx is now worthless. Your entire game plan, which was to Jinx me or to Doom me, I deny Doom for two CPs, Honestly, no questions you... asked, I deny it. You've sold me. I want to put this army on the table. I want to play this thing on stream one of these days. This it is, is really cool. so much fun. I, I saw yeah. John play, and John is an amazing player. The last time I faced him, he beat me, so I'm not, not <laughs> casting any shade on him. Um, I saw his custodians, and I was like, oh, please play this list. It's so good. It, it is, A, very rewarding, very fun to play. If, if you like my style, which is basically every time you try to do something, I say, no, you don't get to do it. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it is just so much fun. I do have to admit that um, causing non-interaction with your opponent, or worse, allowing them to interact with your army, but it always is a bad trade for them, and that's what this army feels like. It's just like, well, I can interact with you, which is cool, but every time I try to, it's bad for me. And that would be like beating your head into a wall <laughs> and giving your opponent. Giving your opponent that experience, I could see be very rewarding. Just, it is very just, fun. <laughs> <laughs> and that might make us bad people, Carlos. Like, let's be honest, we might be this bad sounds people. Great. I don't know. But, I've been on the receiving entertainment for enough time. It's my turn. <laughs> it, it is fun. The, the one thing that I will say is the, the three main challenges to the army, and I suffer from them, is number one is the CP usage. People that have been playing Custodes for over a year before they were super good. Um, are used to playing with two or three CPs or four CP. At first, you feel like you are super CP rich, right? So you tend to waste your CP because you're just excited to use stratagems. And you have to be very disciplined because you're going to need those CP turn three, turn four. And that's like, it cost me a lot of pain in the first few games that I played in ninth edition. The second main problem that Custodes have or challenge is that you need to plan your entire game at deployment. This is not an army that you can make a mistake and rectify two turns later. That you, when you are, the first moment you put one model down, you have to have your entire game plan laid out, know where you want to go, know what your opponent is going to do, or at least have a good idea of what they are trying to do. Because this is all about countering your opponent. To counter your opponent, you need to think about what they are going to do. So it's extremely taxing. To piggyback off that idea, it's also that they're slow. Like large units of custodians, they move six inches a turn. If they're in the wrong spot of the table, not near the action, they're not participating in this game. That's not okay. They're not like moving 20 inches to get back in the fight a turn later. Absolutely. Okay, let me let me break this down. Let me know if you think this is how you, we would describe your list. So in War Machine and Hordes, I used to play Protectorate of Menoth, right? Mm -hmm. And they were a very denial-based army. And what I used to tell people that were learning how to play Protectorate is it's very different from playing any other army. <clears throat> and here's why. 
My goal was always to tie a knot for my opponents and let them make mistakes trying to untie it by layering lots of different abilities together that deny them in lots of different ways. And, and it's very complex, but it's also like tying the knot is also an art, right? Like you can make a mistake in how you tie your knot for a, your opponent. But if you tie the knot correctly, your opponent spends a lot of cycles trying to figure out how to untie this stupid knot. And then they're going to miss little things and you're going to get a lot of advantages. I used to call it like playing mini games within the game and you get to win all those games because they're not going to be used to dealing with Sisters of Silence. They're not going to be used to like having, you know, a farseer sniped out of nowhere, you know, <laughs> just like, wait, they can do that. And, and you're going to get a lot of minor advantages through both the layered complexity of your list uh, and the fact that um, it's very denially. So it's really fun. Absolutely. And, and the other thing is you can play. I hate armies that are rock, paper, scissors. I hate facing somebody that brought my counter and is going to beat me and there's nothing I can do about it. Custodes do not feel like that right now. I don't know. Once we see the FAQ playing out, that might change. But right now, you can you have answers to everything. And it is up to you as a player to get the most out of the army. And it's not easy. When I played the, the so-called elite, we had amazing players. Brandon Grant, Junior, Ray Amara, Jeff Paul, who has made top eight over the last three years at a LVO. I played really good three games. The first, the first three games were great. The fourth game, I was exhausted because the army requires so much thinking. You have to be thinking about the entire game when you are deploying. Because as Nick was saying, if that Custodes Terminator unit is in the wrong spot, good luck getting back to the right place because they move six inches on a turn. That's assuming that you don't have to go through forest or have to deal with minus two to movement because of uh, Harlequins or psychic powers from chaos or Thunderfire counts. Right? Like it is so hard to get into the right place. And by the time I played my third game, I was, excuse me, my fourth game, I was done. I said, my brain, I am so exhausted. I cannot keep this up. So that's definitely an issue with the army. Um, the, the, the taxation that it has on, on your on your brain and I'm thinking. That could be solved theoretically with just reps, right? Like if you just practice the army enough, you'll become pretty familiar with that. At least that's what I find typically when I play those really, really high complex armies. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't all make this for a living. So it's hard for us, you know, to uh, get as many reps as the, the Are you saying we don't play four or five <laughs> games a week against some of the best players in the world? It's, yeah, not I all of us can live yeah. in a frat house that's dedicated to 40K, Nick. <laughs> like, exactly. I really burst in my bubble here. I thought this was everyone. We don't all have access to the John Lennon, the Nick Malabadis, the, the, the Sigler's, or the Mark Perry's of the world. So <laughs> it is it is rough. You know what I think is really, really rewarding about your list, though, is it allows you to play at what I would call a beautiful game, right? So when you play very well with that list, it's got to feel great. You just have to feel like, yeah, I'm really doing it because you're, that's just how I would think about it. Like, you're not just rolling dice and being like, haha, my stuff is literally invincible because GW messed up and mispointed some things and, you know, made like a, uh, an Iron Hands death ball that like you can't interact with because it's just, you know, five up, five up across an entire army, right? It's it's not a mathematical thing. It's literally like I'm moving all these pieces and parts together in the perfect way to counter everything you're trying to do. Um, 100%. It, I yeah. played Jeff Ball in the finals of the RTT. He's an amazing player. He's I think he's as good as I am. It's always super challenging playing him. And when you get that game, you're like, yeah, I, we were playing. You kill my stuff, I kill your stuff. This was a foregone conclusion because I played a good game. 
it feels extremely rewarding. But the, the, the flip side of that coin is my fourth game at the SoCal Elite. I played Richard Cossard, who has won a bunch of um, GTs here regionally. I played a shitty game. It feels so bad because you know you lost because you didn't play at the level you were supposed to. It's your fault. It's not the army. It's not the mismatch. It's not the mission. It's your fault. I like right? that personally. <laughs> that oh, makes absolutely. me feel good. Yeah. Yeah, but when you lose because you screw it up, it sucks, right? It's like, oh, gosh. It's well, like room for improvement. It's like, that's like a challenge. Like, I'm not, I can keep going, you know? For Please sure. And, and that's what keeps me going, right? But but what I mean is, it's not like, oh, I, I missed my seven-inch charger or like my, my, my four-inch charger or and it's luck. No, no, no. This army is... Yeah, like the game you physically play might come down to oh, I missed my seven inch charge twice. That sucked, but that you missed position to get yourself to that point. And that's what Carlos is really trying to say. Hundred percent. Like this, this army, it's up to the player. It really rewards high skill level play, and I, I don't know. It's just super fun. I, I and I know it's not. I will not call it the, the best army in forty k right now. I think it's probably a minus. If it struggles in certain list, I, I haven't played Admech yet, but I can see that being an issue. We'll talk I, about it in the next one. <laughs> Don't sure. you worry. But I, I do think you still have the tools to win that matchup. It's not a foregone conclusion. You have the tools. The army is very rewarding. It is fun to play. I love Custodes. I've been playing them for a bunch of years now. And I don't think in 9th edition there's any army that I face. And I, don't, I feel like, oh, shit. I, I'm just going to roll dice, charge as hard as I can, and see what happens. I, that's just not the case anymore. For that's awesome. Really happy. I think the, the other interesting thing about your army is that there's there's just so many ways that it can be played, I think. like There's not like a uh, just walk forward and get on all the objectives with my nerglings and you know try and win that way. And it's not like just try to line up all my shots and kill as much as I can in return. Like your, your army... Um, plays in a very flexible way. So I think one of the advantages that you get is a, a lot of players might play against your army and be like, oh, I play against custodies all the time. And <laughs> you have enough nuance in the list that might be a little different, like the sisters and some other things uh, where it, it, they're not going to get the same experience as, you know, maybe they're going to make some assumptions about the game and it's not going to go the way they think. And then they're going to have to think on their feet. And some players are very good at that. But some players aren't. Some players need that muscle memory in order to, like, they need to see something, how you play it, and then the next time they play you, they're going to do much better. I imagine all of your locals are pretty good against playing against you, right? But I imagine when you go to a large event, you're going to have a big advantage against a lot of the field because it's just not going to be played in the way that you play it. Absolutely. And, and, and look, every time I, 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 I put together a list that I think is serious, I share it with people that I enjoy talking 40K with, like Nick and Dallas. Right, so when I put this list together, I sent it to Nick and Dallas, and I take a lot of I, I put their opinion, I take their opinions uh, very seriously, right? And I remember Nick saying, "Ah, it's okay, it's a good list, but I think the areas is is problematic, right?" And 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 realizing that even top players just seeing it on paper are not grasping all the different combos that you have because this this faction and all these sub factions are not as popular. Nick, if, if Nick and I were playing at LBO round four. Nick will have two minutes to look at my list and assess the risk of each unit, what they can do, and what my game plan is. I don't think, unless you know about the list beforehand, that you can do that efficiently. So it gives you a huge advantage. It doesn't mean that I cannot be a play. It doesn't mean that the matchup is, might be bad for me, 
but it gives you a huge advantage because the opponent is going to have a hard time understanding all the different layers of complexity that the list brings to the table. Definitely agree. Like just to give some more light on the Carlos's story, he sent me this list is just an earlier version of this draft. And my opinion was that the Aries is too much of a liability, specifically citing things like Admech, when it's like when Admech go first and just kill it, what are you going to do? Because that's how I feel about those like large all your points in one basket kind of model. But now having learned and studied it more, played against it, that kind of thing, I've learned actually just how tough it is that stacked minus two to hit that Carlos was talking about. So you can't just like Admex plus two to hit strat now does just gets canceled. So the chicken walkers are hitting on threes, not twos. And then you turn off the calls rerolls. You're not rerolling your dice. This is just fundamentally less sufficient. Then you do minus one to minus one strength on the strength eight guns. All of a sudden this turns into a whole lot of nothing. So I wasn't putting all that together. And that's what Carlos is saying. Like putting all together, if you're not already familiar with it, is in just the amount of time you have to ask a couple of questions and think on your feet in a tournament is really tough. Exactly. I, mean, I think that's a trick, right? Oftentimes, when you look at the white scars that John was running, when you see them for the fourth time, it's a lot easier to react to it because you know all the capabilities. Yeah. The, the first time I played against John's white scars, he ran me over in like two turns, made me look like a child. And then by the third game, we're playing my Harlequins versus white scars RTT finals. It's down to the nail biters. So. Exactly. Yes. But that uh, you don't. I've had the time to learn and study that over weeks. Like in the moment, that's like so hard. Exactly. And 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 with popular, I mean, that's easier to get, right? You don't have to fight the same opponent. You can play other people that are running the same concept and and just get there. This concept is, I think, very unique. Um, not that there are not amazing custodes lists out there. I think this one in particular is 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 very different. Um, so it gives me a huge advantage, and and even opponents that I'm playing two or three times, it just takes a lot of reps. Um, so I don't know. It's very rewarding. It has been fun, and obviously there are going to have to be some changes because the new melters are going to be powerful. But I think the list can play against that because the sisters can can block that twelve inch range from those melters. So the, the list has a lot of tools to deal with, even the new weapons being released. All right. Well, I think we should talk about that. So just as a reminder to all of our listeners, this is episode one where we talk about the strategy of a list. We talk about what's in the list, why it's in there. You can think about it as the macro discussion. We talk about secondaries, that kind of stuff. Uh, in part two, we're actually going to dig into matchups and talk about how, what Carlos's strategy is for each of the individual matchups. I'm particularly interested to hear like how he's going to deal with Admech because Admech is such a good good at scooping things off the table. So that I think that'll be a really interesting discussion. So uh, if you're a patron, we'll see it in episode two. If you haven't signed up for our Patreon yet, you can find that at aow40k.com and sign up for our Patreon at $6 a month. We have like a bazillion episodes. We even have like a lot of, uh, I think we have like 23 or 24 um, ninth edition episodes already up. So there's plenty of great content from great players talking about really interesting lists just like this one. All right, Nick, did you want to say anything else before we get out of here? Stay classy, San Diego. Stay classy. All right, everyone. We'll see you all on episode two. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com where we go deep into details of optimal play. 
This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect. connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. 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 Till next time. <laughs>